0: Claim this discount by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join PhotographyCourse.net and capture more than just a moment. This episode is sponsored by PhotographyCourse.net. Our 365 Days of Photography course is now live. This is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step format, which is very easy to follow. He presents it in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. If you've been wondering how you can improve your photography without having to commit time to long lessons, this is the course for you. We've designed each lesson to be around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others on the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we are offering a very special discounted price of $99 instead of the launch price, which is $149. The final price will soon be $365. So make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com 365 to claim your discount. Hello, everyone. My name is Taya, and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. This week's guest is Andrew Kravani, a food photographer, director, producer, author, and much more. He has written a best-selling book about the business of food photography, produced a full feature-length film, and contributed many photos to the New York Times. He balances many hats, as you can tell, and has an incredible portfolio. We talk about his journey as a food photographer, his many creative projects, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey, Andrew. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so, so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi,
1: Taya. Thank you very much for having me. Um, Yes, I'm Andrew Scrivani. I'm mostly known as a food photographer, and uh, I've been uh, doing that uh, primarily with the New York Times since 2002. But I'm also an educator of photography, and I'm a writer and a director and a producer. So I I wear a lot of hats, and uh, I'm happy to be here today.
0: I'm happy to have you here, and it's amazing. It's true you do wear a lot of hats, and you do everything that you do wonderfully. And I really look forward to all the conversations we'll have about your your many hats that you juggle.
1: Thanks very much. Look forward to it.
0: What camera equipment do you use?
1: I shoot Canon uh, mostly. I've been shooting Canon. I have a five D. I have a pair of five D Mark IVs that I use um, most of the time. I've shot some Sony A series as well, but I've been a Canon guy since the beginning of their. Um, sort of DSLR line of cameras that they came out with in the early 2000s and I've never really turned back.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing well high five because I'm also a Canon girl so <laughs>
1: Co-canon. <Great>. Co-canon. <laughs> team Canon.
0: Team Canon for sure yeah. In your interview for The Daily Meal you said that food offers you an opportunity to be an artist and an anthropologist and a psychologist among other things. That is such an interesting perspective on photography and one that I can relate to. It's amazing that we can use our interests, which may not always be related to photography, to take our photos to the next level. When you discovered your love for photography, did you instantly gravitate towards food or was it just a general passion for taking pictures?
1: Oh, you know, it's interesting that food sort of found me. Uh, I was always engaged with food as somebody who knew how to cook. And of course, mm-hmm. coming from an Italian American family, of second generation. I spent a lot of time in the kitchen, I spent a lot of time cooking with my parents and my grandparents. So food was always there in the background. But photography was something I picked up in college. And I didn't really have a focus for my photography. I was a a talented amateur, if you want to say that. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really know that I was going to become a photographer. It just sort of happened a little bit later in life. And then, of course, getting some news assignments I ended up in situations where I was photographing in a grocery store. I was photographing at an ice cream shop. I was photographing at a restaurant. And I formed a relationship with uh, the food section of the Times. And then they found out that I knew how to cook. And this was sort of obviously pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook, pre-internet for the most part. I mean, not that the internet didn't exist, but, you know, the way food Mm happens to be on the internet now. Mm -hmm. So the expectations were a little bit different and the bar was a little bit lower. We sort of were able to make it up as we went along. And I got to kind of grow into the role as a food photographer, particularly for a big outlet like the Times, because they were also growing into their kind of coverage and visuals. So we sort of grew up together in that way.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really interesting that you grew up together. And it's interesting that you have the strong background as a cook as well. And Personal question Do you feel like somebody who wants to pursue food photography has to be a cook as well or have some experience in it, or can they just dive into the genre without any cooking experience?
1: I mean, cooking experience is, I think, secondary to just understanding and loving food. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if you understand your subject matter, I don't think you actually have to be an exceptional cook to be a good food photographer, but I do Mm -hmm. think you have to appreciate food and the process of making it the process of how families are sort of centered around it, about how culture revolves around it. And I think you have to kind of understand the the impact of food in our world, other than just something that we feed ourselves and that we enjoy, also the, the sort of connective tissue to the rest of our lives.
0: Yeah, that's a really beautiful answer. I agree with you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense if you put it from that perspective. Yeah. So I know a lot of people in general... They know of food photography, but they don't really know what it takes to get into it. So, yeah, definitely you have to have at least some experience and have that passion for it.
1: I think so. Yeah, I I do think that having a passion for it and understanding the storytelling aspect of it. It's more than just a pretty picture or, you know, cheese dripping off of something or making it look, uh, you know, we've kind of gotten very comfortable and familiar with the word food porn. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's reductive of the genre because if you look at what real pornography is to the movie industry, well, that's sort of what food porn is to the food industry in that it's very reductive. Uh, I think food photography should be romantic, not pornographic. So I think that sort of I've been sort of on a crusade to eliminate that terminology from what we do because I feel like it's effectually reducing us to a one-dimensional aspect of what food means in our culture.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting perspective. And I agree with you on that as well. I mean, we are definitely used to seeing food photos everywhere. And I think many of us feel like not a lot of hard work is put into food photography because everybody has access to smartphones. And sometimes people just take snapshots for the sake of it. And it's good that you are emphasizing the value of spending time with food and not just taking random photos of it.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to understand the craft of food photography. And I think that that's gotten lost in the digital age because you can occasionally take a great picture of food with your phone. Uh, And I think that's influenced the way the entire industry works in that it seems really easy uh, Mm -hmm. because sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. Mm -hmm. And I think that we get lost in the idea that sometimes it can be easy to get a great picture of food, but it's not an easy craft to do day in and day out and do well.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I can totally imagine that. And I feel like you have done such an incredible job in this genre. And a lot of the articles that I read about you praised you for being this leader in the food photography industry. You are basically just this, the epitome of what a food photographer should be like. And you've clearly been very successful in the field and your work has influenced many artists and also led to collaborations with the New York Times, as you mentioned, as well as Disney, Apple, and many other companies. What should food photography enthusiasts keep in mind before starting a business of their own?
1: I mean, patience. Uh, the ground is shifting underneath us constantly in this business. Uh, it is a rapidly evolving business. And I think that a lot of times, back to what my, I said previously, some people or some entities make it seem like it's easy to do this, and A lot of people come at me and say, hey, you know, how do I find business? And there is no magic elixir and there is no, uh, you know, schedule you can put up on your bulletin board. It's a combination of talent, persistence, luck, and a passion. You know, I think you have to have that combination of things. And I, I include luck in that because you have to kind of, the opportunities may Find you, and you have to be willing and understand when that happens so that you can take advantage of the opportunities. But again, persistence and passion and talent all come into play with this. but being fortunate also, and I feel my I, I've been fortunate in my career to understand the opportunities when they've been presented to me and uh, made the most of them. And I think that the other three things that I mentioned, You know, obviously I have an abundance of passion. I have a a lot of persistence and uh, I've been told that I have talent. So I have to, uh, you know, you have to understand that it's a combination of all of those things.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good answer and definitely something important to keep in mind as people pursue their passions. And sometimes we feel like we just need talent or we just need a lot of money or something of that sort. But as you said, it's definitely a combination of a lot of interesting and meaningful things.
1: Absolutely, yeah, i do I do. And I think you know having money to buy equipment and all the sort of trappings of that can kind of trick you into believing that it's about the having the better camera or buying the best lights or you know all of that. And the reality is that stuff helps, but it's really about the equipment you own and making the most of it. And people, you know, I have a friend who is a YouTube chef uh, who is early on in the process who, had a rebel a Canon Rebel Ti, mm-hmm. and he's made probably several million dollars with that camera. Wow. Uh, and it's like we should enclose it in lucite and put it at the Smithsonian because you're the only person in the history of this country that made m- multiple millions of dollars with that camera. You know, <laughs> so it's just a lot of different factors that you have to consider and and be willing to uh, understand and accept.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's an incredible story, an incredible example of the fact that you it's not just about the equipment, although it is very helpful and important, and it's not just about one single thing. It's definitely a combination, and you have to balance them out in a wise way. For sure. Mm -hmm. I've read some brilliant reviews of your photography workshops. As an educator, you've probably had the chance to teach all kinds of people from all over the world. Have you noticed any similarities in your students when it comes to things they struggle with? What is the most challenging aspect of food photography for beginners?
1: You know, that's a great question because I feel like there is a struggle with low lighting that I always felt was um, an issue that people didn't quite understand that capturing food, particularly that a lot of times in our mind, we envision eating these sort of romantic foods at night, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to capture food in a lit environment a lot of times throws people off because they overlight. And I think that's possibly the biggest problem that everybody has, especially early on in, in their food photography career, is trying to overlight the food or shooting the food in underlit conditions. So it's about finding the balance between how you want to portray the food, but also making it look and retain its desirability, right? Where it looks like you want to eat it. So I think lighting is definitely the biggest challenge. And I think that currently we're in sort of this trend with food photography, where everybody is just shooting everything from over the top. We sort Mm -hmm. of have lost the other angles in food photography for the most part, in the general sense, you know, what the bulk of photography we're seeing online is shot overhead. And I do think that takes away a lot of the romance and a lot of the depth that makes food photography beautiful. So it's the combination of the way the trending is going in, and, and being, everything feeling very overlit. And I think then finding a balance, even in that style, to show that you actually have a mastery of the lighting for food photography is really important. And I think that's the thing that I try to really focus on when I'm teaching it.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's brilliant advice and i understand why a lot of people struggle with that especially because they have all these examples online where they do see as you mentioned these images taken from above and usually using the same angles and lighting so it can be a bit confusing for people they don't know what exactly they should do when they approach a meal that they want to photograph but yeah i mean how can they make themselves more diverse in, in this industry should they shoot from you know, different angles, like what, what would you suggest?
1: Yes, I always suggest that you experiment with different angles because you have to learn your frame, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if your frame is just this one shot that everyone is doing, you can't separate yourself as a photographer. You have to find your style. And within that, you have to find the angles that you're comfortable in. Uh, but also have find a way to express yourself in other perspectives. Um, We see food from multiple perspectives. And one of the ones we really don't ever see in the real world is standing above your plate and looking Mm -hmm. straight down at it. So I think if you want to capture the mood of what it feels like to sit down in front of a meal, well, then you have to approach food photography from a perspective of a diner. And I think that the overhead perspective is not a diner's perspective. Uh, If anything, it's a chef's perspective when he's done dressing a plate. Mm -hmm. But I think from a perspective of when you want to look at food from a diner's perspective, you need to approach photography that way so that when you are showing a photo to a perspective viewer, they are capturing in their mind the memory of what it's like to sit down in front of that meal. So if I'm sitting in front of my computer and this plate of food is sitting there in front of me and it looks realistic, like I can reach through the screen and pick it up, that's what I want my viewers to do, not just admire it from above.
0: Mm, I've never thought of that. That's very, very cool and definitely very helpful. I mean, the next time I take photos of food, I will definitely keep that in mind. So thank you. You're welcome. And i I like the similarities between food photography and portrait photography. And I'm sure the listeners, as well, anyone who has different interests in the photography world, uh, will maybe relate to what you said because in portraiture, it's shooting from the same angle or just shooting someone's face is not going to give you the most unique results possible. So it depends on your style, of course, but you have to experiment with angles as well, even in portrait photography to create that authentic, feel that is unique to you so it is cool that food photography has that parallel to it yeah
1: Yeah. I think it applies to pretty much anything visual where if you're just kind of going back to the well for the same image all the time yeah you can develop a style around that but you do need to have some variety in it just so that you can kind of gain your perspective as an artist too and that you want to have multiple perspectives that's Mm -hmm. a big part of being an artist is having multiple perspectives
0: yeah I agree with you completely. And photography is not your only talent. You're also an executive producer, director, writer, and much more. You produced a film called Team Marco, which is coming out this Thanksgiving. Congratulations on that, by the way.. Thank it's, you a story, very much. <laughs> it's a story about a boy who's glued to technology and is encouraged to go out more by his grandfather. This turns into a heartwarming adventure. I watched this trailer for it and found the visuals very appealing. What was it like being an executive producer for this project?
1: You know, it was really an interesting perspective coming at it from a photography perspective because my cinematographer, this young, super talented guy out in LA named Powell Robinson, and I formed a bond over visuals very early in the process. He really admired my photography and I loved the way he used light in his cinematography. So we had some real chemistry as a creative team. And then, of course, working on a project of this scale with a very young group of people, they called me set dad, you know, because I was clearly old enough to be some of their, you know, I could have been a parent to some of the people on the set. They were very, there were some very young people. Uh, So I think that having the perspective of leading a group of very, very talented young people and coaxing them through uh, some of the harder points of working on a 30 day shoot in really rough outdoor conditions, with a cast of very young people and very old people was challenging. And I think that it taught me a lot about my leadership skills. uh, And I think it taught them a lot about what good leadership looks like. And I formed bonds with these people that will be lifetime. I mean, I'll work with them forever.
0: That's incredible. And do you feel that your photography knowledge helped in any way in this process?
1: Well, I think more so my production knowledge. It's that, you know, I've been producing large scale Photo shoots. I've been producing, you know, or working on the ground with producing television commercials with my team for many years. And I think that has helped me step up a level into filmmaking uh, from the production perspective of understanding sets, understanding what it takes to kind of organize and keep things moving and all of that. So I do think that there's some dovetailing to that. There was a huge learning curve for me to be in a film environment. But I I brought with me enough knowledge that it kind of shortened uh, the gap.
0: PhotographyCourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms, like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of PhotographyCourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Our 365 Days of Photography course is the ultimate learning experience for new photographers and even those with some experience. This course, presented in bite-sized lessons, teaches you step-by-step the essentials of photography and beyond. Get your discount code by visiting greatbigphotographyworld.com slash 365. -hmm. That's very interesting. And it's amazing that you have this filmmaking side of things and the production side of things and that photography in some ways, maybe even indirectly, has helped you make progress in those areas. And probably you're inspired in some way as a photographer by the cinematographers you're working with and by everybody else on the team. It's cool that you have this community.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I do find a lot of inspiration in the people I work with. What I ended up doing was uh, for Creative Live, which you mentioned when we were having our uh, kind of pre interview, uh, Creative Live and I collaborated on a class about filmmaking. And it was a class about the transition from being a photographer to working film. So, not working in film specifically didn't say working as a cinematographer because I feel like there are many paths for people who come out of a photography background in film. Mm -hmm. Many of them are not behind the camera in terms of being the cinematographer, but being a director, being a producer, understanding the overall sort of storytelling process. There's a lot that you learn as a photographer and that you employ as a photographer that would uh, make a direct translation into the film world, including editing, including colorization, all of these things, there's a lot of ways that you can transition. And I mentioned those in that class.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And it's amazing that you, as a photographer, accumulate all of this experience, as you mentioned, and you can turn that into a different career path one day in filmmaking, if you want.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i on that trajectory right now. I have other projects that I'm working on currently that are film-related. And my career is sort of going off in multiple directions at this point. I mean, photography has always been my anchor, but it's clearly that I have used the things I've learned as a photographer and in that world to translate into other uh, realms of creative sort of endeavor.
0: Mm -hmm. You mentioned briefly Creative Live, and you've made a series for them. And recently you worked on a video series with them called The Work From Home Cafe, in which you connect with people online cook something as you speak with them and share tips on how to take stunning photos of your results. I think that's an incredible way to stay connected during the pandemic and get creative at the same time. Do you ever make your own meals and photograph them in your free time? And is this something that other photographers can do to challenge themselves and improve?
1: Yeah, the the work from home cafe was uh, something I started on Instagram just to sort of stay connected to people and uh, show that I'm cooking at home a lot like they were. And then uh, Creative Lives and I have interesting partnership and they asked me if they wanted if I wanted to kind of run it on their platform so we ended up doing it uh, once a week for 12 weeks during the pandemic and it was really successful and really fun and in terms of like cooking meals specifically to photograph them in my free time I guess the answer is yes but I don't necessarily like set out to do a photo shoot on my free time it's usually I'm cooking something I have decent light where I'm at and I'll do something with my phone. But I do think that having personal projects and setting goals for yourself as a photographer is really important. So if you are trying to break into an industry or you're trying to keep your skills sharp, you absolutely should always have personal projects. Now, obviously my personal projects often involve food, but you need to have a sort of a rhythm to do the work well. And when that rhythm gets broken, it becomes harder to do the work. So the pandemic was clearly an, an interrupter, right? In all our businesses. So yeah. the Workroom Home Cafe was a way for me to sort of stay sharp um, and stay in that rhythm of doing my work and knowing what story I want to tell. And also as a teacher and an instructor, it kept me in that world too. It kept me sharp where I'm talking on camera, I'm making a point, I'm trying to teach a lesson. And I think all of those things kind of came together in Work From Home Cafe. And we were really proud of it. You know, we, a small team of us from Creative Live, we got together on that. And uh, we're now working on another uh, project that we're starting at the end of the month. Um, The filmmaker that is the writer director of Team Marco, his name is Julio Vincent Gambuto. He is also a teacher of screenwriting. Mm -hmm. So, Creative Live and Julio and I uh, have partnered to do a series of uh, screenwriting and filmmaking classes for Creative Live. So, those are going to kick off with the launch of Team Marco. So, there, Creative Live will roll out our screenwriting class just as Team Marco is hitting the market. And then we will have three or four other classes that will come in behind that. So, again, it's about learning, teaching, staying mm-hmm. sharp creating partnerships, forming business opportunities, all of these things sort of come together the bigger your network, uh, you allow your network to be.
0: Wow, that is very impressive and it's incredible that you are giving yourself the opportunity to have all these different projects that are clearly fulfilling you and giving other photographers a chance to feel inspired. That's incredible, congratulations, I look forward to, to seeing those classes.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, the Creative Live partnership has been one that's been really fruitful for me uh, creatively and professionally because it's opened doors and given me opportunities to do things with people that I maybe not normally would work with or mm-hmm. have met. I formed lifelong friendships with that collaboration. So um, you just never know. You just never know. And that's why I say yes a lot. You know, I tell people in business, you know, it's good to say yes a lot because you can always say no later. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. I agree with you. I also like to say yes a lot because, for me and for the podcast and for other areas of my life, I found that that has given me the most fruitful results. It's usually given me these opportunities that I couldn't even imagine. This is something you can relate to as well, as you said. So, that's incredible. And I like what you said about staying sharp because when you are in a situation where you can't maybe go out as much as you would like to, or there's just something going on in your life personally where you're stuck it's important to still keep up that self-discipline and keep on feeling like you're a photographer who is productive because if you don't give yourself that chance, then maybe you might lose that confidence in yourself or anything else that's uh, unwanted.
1: Yes. I mean, I grew up an athlete. I'm still an athlete in my personal life. And I believe that with any muscle, if you let it atrophy, it gets harder and harder to do the exercise. And I think Mm -hmm. Creativity is a muscle uh, and it needs to be exercised regularly or else you will start to atrophy. And uh, so that's a big part of sort of my ethic as a person that translates to different parts of my life, whether it be the fact that I train regularly uh, in in multiple sports or I train regularly in multiple creative disciplines. It's, It's the same process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's good for the listeners to keep in mind. I mean, if you feel like you're losing touch with yourself creatively, then definitely give yourself even a few minutes every day. Even if you have a very busy life, I feel like you can dedicate just a few minutes every day to being creative as a photographer. And I think that can even help you in the long run.
1: And I would say, I would extend that to say it doesn't have to be photography. You know, mm-hmm. using your brain creatively, like I'll sit down at my computer and I'll write or i will uh, I will take out a pen and just doodle, or something creative just to kind of keep my brain moving in that direction, because if you get stuck in one particular creative form, quite often it helps to go to a different one mm-hmm. to kind of break the log jam. And I think that sometimes writing down your thoughts or drawing a picture, if you have that skill, or building something with your hands, it just sort of opens up the pathways to the way you think about things and would help, and could help you creatively in multiple ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's done wonders in my own life. I mean, I recently started writing a book, a fictional book, and just that alone, even a few minutes every day, has helped me in my photography and has helped me as somebody who plays the guitar and draws and you know, does all these different things collectively. They do change you in more ways than you realize.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, as, I think most people who have a creative sense are not limited to one form of creativity. I also play the guitar. I also, you know, like just like you said, and um, I think it's really helpful to sort of remember that. In that, as a creative person, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a thing, and you have to sometimes move away from one thing to find it again. And I think that's that's very true in many creative endeavors.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a very nice and hopeful message for people who feel like they're stuck in one place, because there's always an opportunity to leave that feeling of just being stuck or trapped in some sort of limitation. You can always get out of it and try something new. And then before you know it, you'll be back into photography more passionate than ever.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that.
0: A few months ago, I wrote an article about the best food photography books in the world, and I included your book called That Photo Makes Me Hungry, which was how I initially found your work and how we connected. You talk about photographing food for fun and for profit in that book. What was the process of writing a book like that like?
1: Well, you know, it was something that I had considered and had been um, asked about for many years, you know, because, you know, I'm got known as somebody, as a teacher, as an educator in the field, uh, I've had, I had a number of publishers ask me to write a book. And every time the book was proposed to me, it was never in a format that I found would have been helpful to the people who would read it. Uh, you know, I was asked to include recipes. I was asked, it was really more about how do we make it more sellable?
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: say, I'm not as concerned about how sellable it is. I'm more concerned about It being an accurate representation of what I teach people. Mm -hmm. So finally, my publisher and my editor basically said to me, Well, why don't you just synopsize your creative live classes? And I was like, Well, that makes a lot of sense. So I just sat down because I I teach anecdotally. I like to teach through telling stories. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and I would bring my computer to a cafe because I liked being in an environment where there were people and I would write one or two chapters a day and a couple of times a week. So it took me about six or eight months to write the book. But it it was really about reliving the stories that I tell about my experiences in photography when I'm teaching. So I would tell a story about a particular problem that I solved. Or I would tell a story about a particular um, challenge that was set before me and what I had to do about it. Or I would tell a story about how I learned a certain thing. And that's sort of where the book comes from. It comes from a place of being an educator and having a style as an educator and being able to take that from one particular platform to another. And and obviously, uh, people have responded to it and it's been very successful in that way. So um, I'm glad I stuck to my guns and insisted that I write the book the way uh, I wanted to. uh, And I'm really proud of it because of that.
0: Mm -hmm. you should definitely be proud of it and that is a very very good example of staying authentic and true to yourself because sometimes whatever the circumstances are if you're starting a business or whatever project you're working on and there's a business opportunity sometimes there will be a situation where you feel like you're not being truly authentic to who you are or you're being given the opportunity to just try to sell something as you said in your own experience and In a situation like that, of course, it is tempting to just accept it because of the financial aspect of things or whatever else is being offered. But ultimately, I think it's best to just tell your own story as it is, as you feel comfortable telling it. And that will definitely give you better results, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, the idea of writing a book for money, it's a really hard business. So, yeah. if you're only going at it thinking, "Okay, I'm going to write this book. I'm gonna get rich, you're just in the wrong business. Exactly. You know I really wanted to write the book to get the story out and have a hardbound sort of compendium of the things that I've been doing as a teacher. and in my career, too. I mean, looking going through the photos and reliving those photo shoots and the and the people that were connected to those photo shoots and the the parts of my life that were connected to those photo shoots, I mean, that was really important for me, too. It was like effectually, a bit of a memoir as well. It's part self-help book. It's part instructional manual. It's part memoir. You know, it's part coffee table book. You know, it encompassed a lot of the things I wanted to say with the book. So I'm really happy with the way it came out and, and the way it's been received. And it feels like it has some staying power. Like it's something that I can show to people, you know, a few years down the road. And a lot of those lessons are still relevant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's cathartic writing a book. I mean, for me personally, as you said, it's it's something that you feel inside of your soul that you need to do when you want to tell that story for whatever reason. And I bet it was really relieving and fun for you to finish writing the book and to see all those amazing results, but mostly to just write it for yourself.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I absolutely. That was it. You know, when I, when I was in negotiations about the book, and we were talking about the money and the time it was going to take to do it, You know, I walked away from it a couple of times because, like, I'm really busy. I know there's really no money in this. And I just had to make a decision as to whether I wanted to write it for myself. And once I came to that decision, then I was able to put myself into it and be happy with the results. And if it sold, it sold. But I was happy with what I put down on the page.
0: Yeah, I think that's what matters, especially... In photography too, I mean, there's a parallel to that as well, where you have to enjoy the process of taking the photos and then everything that comes afterwards, of course, it's important, the financial aspect of things, the creative aspects, how people react, but it shouldn't be the most important thing. The most important right. thing should be the process of taking photos.
1: I agreed. Agreed.
0: Looking at your work makes me want to take photos and eat at the same time, to be honest with you. Do you ever get hungry looking at your own photos?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I think I get more nostalgic about them than hungry. I think I look at them and it sort of brings back a lot of memories of what it took to make them. I mean, there are times when I, you know, I don't want to be looking at my work before lunch because it probably will have that effect on me as well. (laughs) Uh, It does sometimes inspire me to cook those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I look at a recipe that I worked on, uh, you know, many years ago. I'm going through my archive recently because I was putting my archive up on uh, Adobe Stock. And I was looking at some old photos and I was like, oh, I remember that dish. That was delicious. I'm going to make mm-hmm. that again. So it it is definitely influenced me for sure.
0: That's really cool. And I have a question personally for myself. I've always been curious about this. When you take food photos for someone else, for a client, and you're in the client's um, surroundings, I mean, you actually have to go to a place to take photos of the food. Do you get to eat it afterwards or, or not?
1: Well, you know, most of my work happens in my studio. So okay. the answer to the question is, I eat most of the food or I give it away. Um, mm-hmm. But when I do end up in another environment, I would say le- it's less likely that I would eat the food if I was shooting in a restaurant or I was shooting in a in a studio that there was some other situation going on, like mm-hmm. when I worked on commercials and things or worked on a big ad campaign, because the food sort of gets passed around and handled a little too much and you know it's not really edible or palatable after that but when I'm in my studio I take great care to make sure the food remains edible Mm -hmm. so that we can share it or pack it up uh, and give it away uh, so we don't waste it
0: that's really interesting cool thank you for sharing that now I know sure okay my last question for you is what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world
1: (laughs) I just want to be remembered. I think, uh, I've, I've given a lot of myself to photography. Uh, I've given a lot of time and a lot of years and a lot of photos. And uh, I'm hoping that when I step away from photography as a profession and, uh, you know, or when I'm gone from this world that, uh, that people remembered that I was a nice guy that took some really nice pictures.
0: Well, I think for sure you will be remembered because you're already so influential and so inspiring and, uh, it was such an honor to talk to you. It was really fun.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was a really nice conversation and, uh, I'm happy that, uh, I got to come on with you.
0: Yes, absolutely. So I will share all of Andrew's links in the show notes. Listeners definitely check out his work. Uh, maybe don't be hungry when you look at his work because you'll just instantly want to eat, but, uh, I hope you're inspired to take food photos of your own and yeah, maybe start a business in this genre. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows exactly? Well, Andrew, thank you for the fun conversation. I can't wait to see more of your work and we will talk soon.
1: Thank you so much. I, uh, I appreciate it. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. It's always a pleasure to talk to photographers who have many creative projects going on in their lives and are constantly keeping themselves inspired. I appreciate Andrew's passion for photography, directing, writing, and general self-expression. I hope his approach to self-discipline inspires you to be more consistent in your own work. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest-rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a Premium Member.